God bless you, everyone. My name is David Ewan, heading up the Bravehearted Ministry at the Resurrection Center with Pastors Jose and Melly Martinez. You can check us out at resurrectioncenterradio.com. And so this will be a third part of First Fruits. And so this will be a review of what we've talked about in the first two parts. And uh, today I'm also going to be answering questions that people have been asking. There are two major questions. So um, they're good topics and they'll clarify some of the complex issues that we talked about before. But let me first start off with what I've mentioned before, that this year's first fruit celebration at the Resurrection Center in the Indian Orchard area of Springfield, Massachusetts, has been moved to October 25th instead of the spring due to the pandemic that interrupted original plans that had been put in place in April of 2020. This year's celebration more closely matches the Jewish New Year Rosh Hashanah 2020 that began in the evening of Friday, September 18th. The Jewish New Year is the first of the Jewish High Holy Days specified in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 23 through 32 that occur in early autumn of the Northern Hemisphere. The current Jewish year is AM 5780. The AM stands for Eno Monday, which means in the year of the world. And um, so we will celebrate on Sunday, March 25th, 2020 at noon. So one of the questions that was asked are, are tithes pre-taxed or after-tax? Is it gross or net? Well, the first thing is I'm going to share with you Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. So a tenth percent is you multiply uh, your your salary by 0.1. You move the decimal point, if you will, over to the left. So if you make $123, then it's $12.3. You round it off to $12. Um, so that's an example. Um, now let me show you Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, that actually answers the question as to whether tithes are pre-taxed uh, or after-tax, if, if you're calculating the tithes based on gross or net. And the scripture of Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So that means everything is holy unto the Lord. The seed is like a tax that you don't see. It's the gross that's, that is produced. That is before tax. So if you make $100 and you ta are taxed 30%, your paycheck is a net of 70%. But the tithe is 10% of the gross of $100. So the tithe is $10 because it is 10% of $100. So Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, explains gross. You're calculating the tithes based on the gross, not the net. Uh, let's talk about offerings that we talked about in our previous session. Offerings, on the other hand, is a different instruction. Second of Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
So this is above and beyond the tithe. So a tithe is an instruction to be followed through obedience. It shows your integrity. An offering is given after the tithe from a cheerful giver that shows your character. As we said, tithe is an act of obedience as defined through Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. And offerings is a demonstration of your character as shown in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. At the end of the day, people can choose what they want to do. The church does not force anyone. For example, the Resurrection Center doesn't mail out invoices. It's a choice you make under God. It's, it's a, your choice. Be of good cheer when you tithe an offering. The same is for first fruits. But we're going to talk about first fruits. Uh, first fruit offering is a prophetic celebration of a harvest to come. It off, it's the, the harvest. It's a financial favor and provision. It's an offering of first fruits. The Hebrew word for first fruit is bikarim, literally translated into promise to come. The Israelites saw these first fruits as an investment into their future. God told them if they brought their first fruits to him, he would bless all that came afterwards. First fruits is a prophetic offering. We're going to talk about the amount of the first fruits. I gave you the example for tithes. Now I'm going to talk about first fruits. Before I do that, i got to give you some vocabulary words. You see, the biblical times back uh, in the days of Leviticus, it's um, an agricultural-based society. But we live in a financial-based society. It's different. So there are four words. They're easy words. The first one is yield, a yield. It refers to the earnings generated and put into a bank account. Number two, an increase refers to what an increase beyond what you had before. A harvest refers to the bank account. And a basket refers to a wallet to easily carry something in your hands. You place in the basket the increase of your yield from the harvest. It is that you, that you tithe from and present an offering from. Now, the second topic of discussion, it's the amount of the first fruit. Um, now, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10, the scripture reads, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be, be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest unto the priest. A sheaf in, in agricultural times came from the initial reaping from the initial part of the harvest season. It is a bundle of grain stalks laid lengthwise and tied together after reaping. First fruits is the initial outpouring of a harvest before it goes into peak season. It is blessed by the high priest so that the remaining part of the harvest is abundant. And our harvest is our bank account. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, the scripture says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be brim over with new wine. And that's why this is a prophetic offering, okay? And your wealth is that which you possess. The offerings of first fruits was the very beginning of the harvest season, i.e. first fruits like a sheaf of green, uh, grain, I should say. It was a token of gratitude for what the Lord had, will do in the future. It's a prophetic offering of gratitude for future blessings within our lives. The first fruits were brought in a basket to the sanctuary and presented to the priest, who was to set the basket down before the altar. 
They were also to bring a lamb of the first year without blemish, a grain offering with oil, and a drink offering of wine. The people were forbidden to eat of the crops until the first fruits were celebrated. Then the basket was waved in front of the altar as ministry unto the Lord to bless the remaining crop to come following the first fruit. The first fruits were harvested before the yield of the remaining crops. Now, one of the things that you may learn in teaching is when we talk about things like the amount of the first fruits or what happened in biblical times associated with the Old Testament, you'll hear teachings talk about as in Jewish tradition. Well, the reason why the traditions carried through, there's something called a Talmud. A Talmud. The Talmud is the central text of rabbinic Judaism and the primary source of Jewish religious law and Jewish theology. Christians use it for clarity of the Old Testament or the Torah, the Jewish Bible. It's here we can get clarity of first fruits. So when we talk about, as in Jewish traditions, what I'm going to show you now through the Talmud, what we learn from it, okay? Think of the Talmud of the Torah or the Old Testament kind of like a, as a concordance for the Bible. Some of you might be asking, okay, what's a concordance? A concordance is used by people who study the Bible. A concordance is a reference tool to help study the Bible and list biblical words alphabetically with indications to help the inquirer to find the passages of the Bible where the words occur. So it's a ref reference tool. The Talmud can be used in a similar way to help reference the Old Testament. So it helps us to understand Jewish traditions. Not the law, but you'll understand the traditions. It is through the Talmud we understand the amount or value of first fruits to be offered. Now, we talked about first fruits described in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through 11. Okay, I'll read that to you later. But first fruits is described in Deuteronomy, also in Leviticus for that matter, uh, in chapter 26, verse 1 through 11. In the Talmud, first fruits is explained also in detail in the Bikram, Bikram we talked about Bikram. Uh, it's the Bikram Tractate of the Talmud. It's a Bikram 3.2. Now, a tractate, think of it as a chapter, okay? But they have a different language, okay? So, according to the Teramoth Tractate of the Talmud, which is Teramoth 4.3, a 60th part of the first fruits, fruits in a prepared form was the minimum that could be offered. Okay, what's a 60th? That's 1 over 60. What's 1 over 60 multiplied by 365? This equates to just over 6 days. So it's 6 plus days worth of income. That is why the Resurrection Center simplifies the understanding of first fruits being the financial value of one week's salary. And you hear it based on Jewish traditions. That means it's documented in the, the Talmud. Okay? As in the times of Leviticus, the priest of the house educated the population what a first fruit entails. That's where the Talmud comes in. It's the rabbinic understanding of the instruction. We also have our pastor, our senior pastor, Pastor Jose of the Resurrection Center, who also gives the instruction as well. Uh, but I share with you where the root and the foundation of that instruction comes from. As in biblical times, the high priest instructs on first fruit offerings. Today's first fruit is one week's salary. 
We take the Jewish understanding of the Torah, the Old Testament, by looking at the Talmud. So, it's your annual income divided by 52 weeks. It's 25% or one-fourth of your monthly salary. It's 50% or one-half of your salary if you get paid every two weeks. So, if you get $1,000 per month, I'll use simple numbers just for the mathematics. $1,000 per month, one week is $250, okay? If you get if you get $1,000 per month and you get paid twice per month, so it's 500 and 500, well, that biweekly salary, that two-week salary of $500, you cut that in half to equate, it's $250. That is... That is how it's calculated. Now, the book of Leviticus describes the ceremony. The third book of the Bible in the Old Testament was developed under a long period of time, reaching its present form during the Persian period between 538 to 332 BC, so a few hundred years uh, before Christ. It takes place during the month and month and a half between the completion of the tabernacle, which we learn in Exodus 40. 17, and the Israelites' departure from Sinai, which is in Numbers uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 10, verse 11. The instructions of Leviticus emphasizes ritual, legal, and moral practices rather than beliefs. Most of its chapters consist of God's speeches to Moses, which God commands Moses to repeat to the Israelites. Then in Leviticus, God tells the Israelites and their priests how to make offerings in the tabernacle and how to conduct themselves while camped around the Holy Tent Sanctuary. So I'm going to read Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9 through 14. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9 through 14. And the scripture reads, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap, its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. To be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day, when you wave the sheaf, a male lamb of the first year, without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two tenths of an epa of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma, and its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Okay, let's talk about the importance of first fruits. First fruits is a religious offering of the first agricultural produce of the harvest. In classical Greek, Roman, and Hebrew religions, the first fruits were given to priests as an offering to God. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 9, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. In Numbers 18, 13, the scripture reads, the first ripe fruit of all that is in their land which they bring to the Lord shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat of it. When we offer our first fruits, we attract divine increase and overflow. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10, the scripture states clearly that, so, sh so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. 
In giving first fruits, you lay a foundation upon which your harvest will overflow. That's favor and provision. It's a prophetic blessing for your future. The, the first time we see first fruit offering goes to the time of Cain and Abel, okay? When both sons of Adam appeared before the Lord. The difference between their offerings is that Abel's offering was accepted because he was able, and Cain's was rejected. It can't be uh, accepted. Abel gives the first and the fat, while Cain gave an offering, not the first nor the best. And I'm going to read to illustrate this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 through 7. Again, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 through 7. And the scripture reads, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering. But on Cain in his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not, but if you do, not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must master it. That means you must master following the instruction. Here is the meaning and understanding of first fruits. I'm going to talk about four things. Number one, the literal thing. The literal meaning. Number two, the spiritual meaning. Number three, the Passover connection. And number four, the prophetic meaning. Okay, let's talk about number one, the literal meaning. First fruits refers to the first portion of the harvest which is given to God. Most notably, the first fruits are the first to come in time, a pledge or hope of the greater harvest to follow, and especially dedication to God. A first fruit ceremony is described in detail in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through 11. Note that the firstborn, whether human or beast, was also considered as God's special possession and could be considered a type of first fruits as shown in Exodus chapter 22, verse 29, and Exodus chapter 34, verse 19. I will read Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through 11. And the scripture reads, When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord will, your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest will shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders, he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, 
have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. And that is Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through 11. Now I'll talk about number two, the spiritual meaning. We'll talk about the spiritual meaning. By giving God the first fruits, Israel acknowledged that all good things come from God and that everything belongs to God. Giving the first fruits was also a way of expressing trust in God's provision. Just as he provided the first fruits, so he would provide the rest of the crops that were needed. Note that the Feast of First Fruits was instituted when the nation of Israel was still wandering without land or crops. It was observed in faith that God would lead the people to the land he had promised. Number three, the Passover connection. Passover was not uh, the only spring festival celebrated under the covenant, for the Israelites also com commemorated the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost. The Feast of First Fruits actually took place during the week-long Passover celebration. And we learn that in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4 through 8. On the first day after the Sabbath that occurred in the midst of the week. Pentecost occurred 50 days after that Sabbath and marked the culmination of what started the Feast of First Fruits. As its name indicates, the Feast of First Fruits marked thanksgiving to God for the first fruits of the harvest. In this case, the grain and the cereal harvested in the spring in ancient Palestine. See, that's why we used to do first fruits in the spring, but the pandemic has caused us to do it at this time now. Um, at this festival, the Israelites offered the very first sheaf of the harvest and were not allowed to eat anything from the crop until they gave its initial portion to the Lord. So that's why you give it your first best. In Leviticus uh, chapter 23, verse 9 through 22, uh, it says, you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until the same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is the statue forever throughout your generations. This required a great deal of faith on the part of the Israelites, as they would be giving the offering of first fruits at a time when not much was ready to be harvested. So it was at the beginning of the harvest. They had to trust God that he would indeed provide the fullness of grain that had yet to come forth something that, that from a human perspective was far from certain given the people's utter dependence on the right amount of rainfall and so forth to give the best crops. So there was a lot of trust of the Lord. Fifty days after the Feast of First Fruits was the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, which was the grand celebration at the end of the grain harvest. On this occasion, the offering of food and animals to the Lord were more lavish, as we see in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15 through 22, an appropriate way to thank him for the tremendous bounty he had provided. Now let's go to number four, the prophetic meaning. Israel was described as the first fruits of God's harvest, and that's in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 3. Israel was to be, pledge, uh, was to be a pledge, I should say, of greater harvest in as much as she would experience God's redemption and witness of this redemption to the nations that they too might come to know the God of Israel, our God. In addition to the fact that God has promised that we too, we will be raised from the dead, in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, the Apostle Paul says that as redeemed people, we possess the first fruits of the Spirit. So to review, we talked about the meaning and understanding of first fruits, the literal meaning, the spiritual meaning, the Passover connection, the prophetic meaning. 
that's all I wanted to say about the meaning and understanding of first fruits. Now let's talk about the five kinds of first fruits. Well, there are five kinds of first fruits. There's the first harvest, there's Israel, there's the believers, there's the Holy Spirit, and then there's Jesus. So there's five kinds of first fruits. Let's talk about the first one, the first harvest. In the Old Testament, God commanded his people to give the first and best portions of the harvest as an offering to him. And that's in Exodus chapter 23, verse 16, and Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 35. By giving the first fruits as an offering to God, the Israelites acknowledged that all the harvest, in fact, everything they had came from God and belonged to him. The offering of first fruits was likewise an expression of faith that something else, the harvest of the rest of the crop, would come later. Therefore, the first fruits offering acknowledged God's ownership of everything, expressed thankfulness for his provision, and anticipated what was to come. Now let's go to number two. Number two, Israel. In a symbolic use of the term, Jeremiah called Israel the first fruits of God's harvest. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. And that's in Jeremiah chapter two, verse three. Just as the first and choicest crops were devoted to God, Israel was God's chosen and set apart people. Number three, believers. Number three, believers. In Romans 16.5 and 1 Corinthians 16.15, the first converts of a particular area were called the first fruits. Some translations use the term first converts, but literally it's first fruits in the King James Version. The same word used in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, verse 20. James chapter 1 verse 18 uses the term with reference to believers by his choice. He gave us birth by the word of truth so that he would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The new birth we have experienced is only a preview of the day to come when he will make all things new in a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, and uh, number four, the Holy Spirit. Paul said we have the Spirit as first fruits in Romans 8.23. The Holy Spirit is a foretaste, the first installment of our future glory. He is God's pledge of more to come in our resurrection life. And finally, number five, number five, Jesus. Uh, when Paul said Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 20. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 20. Uh, he was drawing an analogy between the Old Testament offering and Jesus's resurrection. As the Old Testament first fruits symbolized and consecrated the entire harvest that was to follow, Christ's resurrection was the foretaste of the resurrection of all believers yet to come. His resurrection is our assurance that one day all believers will be raised from the dead and will receive new resurrected bodies. And that you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 where it says, where death is your victory, where death is your sting. And so we talked about the five kinds of first fruits. The first harvest, Israel, believers, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. That concludes my discussion of part three of first fruits. I hope that answered some questions and also gave a little bit more clarity as to what first fruits means at the Resurrection Center. It's good to see all of you. I head up the Bravehearted Ministry here at the Resurrection Center. 
My name is David Ewan, and this is the Resurrection Center.